and welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. This podcast, I'm joined by Chris and Sarah from Waitmans for the second podcast where we're going to be looking backwards to 2023. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was 2023, we are in 2024, I'm just having a moment <laughs> there. Um, I shan't get Sarah and Chris to introduce themselves again. If you are listening to the first time and hearing Sarah and Chris, please do listen back to the previous podcast uh, where we've done a bit of an introduction and we've had a look through some of the stuff that Sarah and Chris do on a day-to-day basis, which is really fascinating. I recommend you drop back and listen to that and you'll get a great introduction from these guys. Uh, This podcast is very much looking backwards at 2023, some of the learnings, key takeaways from the year. Um, We're going to be talking about uh, with Sarah around transport managers, uh, the challenges around multiple operating centres and multiple uh, operators licences in different areas as well as some things to take away around due diligence for transport managers um, and and about notification of convictions as well. We're going to touch on whistleblowing and then we're going to look at some challenges around historic restricted licences um, and our own account operators and some of the things that may be considerations for them uh, for the coming year and things to think about for 2024 when they uh, when they start to review their operator's license. So uh, if it's all okay, I'm going to kick on with uh, looking at the transport managers, their roles with multiple licenses and operating centres. Um, Sarah, are you able to tell us a bit more about the challenges you saw last year with that? Yeah, thanks very much. So we have seen quite a lot of challenges when it comes to transport managers and being on multiple licenses. And whilst that is a great thing and um, you know, we, we really advocates for it and ensuring that, you know, um, as a transport manager, you get the right mix um, within your role. It's really important to consider just how many vehicles um, you, you're looking after. And it really needs to be realistic. I think that's our main kind of point. Can you look after the amount of vehicles you're saying you are looking after? Because at the end of the day, if you're called to a public inquiry or, or any questions are asked around your ability to be able to manage the fleet, is your response one that you'd be happy with and and can you provide a response that that is effective and shows that you may you do maintain that continuous and effective control because that's the main thing at the end of the day and we've had hearings um, this past year where we've seen that you know transport managers have spread themselves too thin and it's just not not working out um, and particularly you know if you're an internal transport manager and then you take on some external responsibilities whilst that's still well within your, your right to do so just ensure that you can fit that into your your week and your life you know it's, it's really important to ensure that if there's multiple areas that you're on a license for can you actually get to those areas if you're on a license in the southwest and in scotland how realistic is it that you can go between those two areas and, and actually have that control over the vehicles that run around those areas um you know and that's not just questions we ask that's questions that we see from the traffic commissioner when we see transport managers being added to licenses we, we see the traffic commissioner asking those very questions can, can this person that's in cornwall get up to Scotland and effectively manage the licenses there and, and it, you know is that possible so I think it's just really considering where you are your location the amount of vehicles you, you say you can manage and if that's realistic in, in a normal working week because as much as you may want to be on multiple licenses 
you just need to ensure that you can you can fit it all in into your life you know and so that's our that's our key takeaway with that I think with multiple sort of operators licenses and multiple operating centers um, and just ensuring that you're there with it um, I think another thing is the due diligence that the company is taking when it comes to um, having new transport managers on their license so again I see this quite often where maybe you know the company's had a bit of a fallout with the transport manager they ended up a public inquiry they need a new transport manager quite quickly and so everything's put in place to really get that transport manager on board ASAP and then I normally come in and then I say so have you checked if this person has got good repute and often they they haven't because they're in such a rush to just get some get a replacement you know and I think a key key point here is it's so important to do your background checks and whilst at an interview everyone puts their best foot forward and everyone seems brilliant it's just so important for companies to check whether the transport manager is on other licenses how many vehicles are on those other licenses if they can handle your fleet what your fleet looks like and whether it's an easy come and manage or if there's a big overhaul of the operation that's needed um, and also if that transport manager has had any regulatory action in the past because you know and that's not to say that they can't be your transport manager but it's just a consideration and again it's something the traffic commissioner might come back and ask you on so you as a company need to feel confident that you know where you're going with that and you say well actually yeah we did know about this but it was 20 years ago so you know we're prepared to take that risk because we've seen that this transport manager has done an excellent job you know and that's and it's fine it's just making like doing your due diligence and really checking that you're happy with the person that you're going to put on your license yeah awesome Sarah I think um, I, I, I just have to echo that actually because it sort of resonated with me with a recent case that I've been uh, looking after one of our one of our clients with and we've uh, We've had an operations manager who's held a transport manager CPC qualification but as part of a restricted operator and uh, we've gone to edit that operator to a standard national or increase them to a standard national and then put that operations manager onto the transport manager role as a name transport manager and actually uh, it was picked up by the caseworker that the transport manager was named on another license and um, the the operator themselves weren't aware of that situation so um, interestingly that, that that's all now uh, gone through and been granted but that's a that application process has sort of generated this challenge that mm. the, the operator weren't aware of these other other duties on the on the on their transport manager that they were making an application for um, and that's a that's a really interesting thing around that due diligence element and I joked when we were preparing for this around a prenup um, <laughs> but actually turns out that's a thing right yeah so yeah. can you tell me a bit more about that yeah well it's the thing we help companies with quite often because again they come to us and they say well we've seen this tra transport manager we think he's great we really want him and we're like okay just calm down then before you get to engagement stage let's just take a step back let's put some some um, sort of contractual things in place here so you sort of sign them up to your terms rather than theirs um, and you know that's I think it's just really important just to make sure that the business has got what they expect as well because whilst transport managers have a very high standard that they work towards the business need to know that that what they want from the transport manager is what they're going to get so we often help companies by putting those sort of contractual sort of terms in place before they onboard the transport manager um, just to make sure that everything's in place before before they get started and it kind of doesn't go well or something like that and, and just to add to that um, it can be really simple stuff mm. it can be saying that if you're a transport manager you're coming to work for us 
um, you, you're declaring that to us as well as on the TM1 form that you're not that you're not nominated on any other licenses and that you're not if you you're going to consult with us before you nominate yourself on your 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 mate Jim's license <laughs> in the background without us knowing about and that you're going to um, and that perhaps you're going to make a declaration to us as well that you haven't um, for example got a difficult licensing history and the reason that matters is because if you do barrel in and appoint a transport manager and then the traffic commissioner picks up on this and starts um, starts putting you under the spotlight as an operator it becomes a little bit challenging because you're then having to say actually I didn't know about this um, and and you're you're having to make an admission that you didn't do your quality control you didn't do your due diligence and you're already on the back foot and so you are you are um, whereas if you're in a position where you can say well actually what more could I have done um, then you're in a much stronger position. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders. We offer fully accredited initial Transport Manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. I think um, I think that's a, a, a really a really important thing that operators need to think about, and certainly uh, a, a bit of a challenge for operators to make sure that their systems are in the right place because it it does open you up for scrutiny if something mm, like that happens. It does. Um, what is that? What is that recruitment process that you've got? So very good. And then um, the other part of the, the other element of this, Sarah, was around the convictions and notification of convictions. Um, yeah. What, what what sort of has come up for you on on that area? <laughs> So this is something we get asked all the time. What what do we need to declare? What's declarable? Um, and you know we've gone into detail with this with a lot of our clients. And I think the main thing here is just taking a step back and looking at what's happened, and and you know deciding if the traffic commissioner needs to be made aware of that. And the the most important point about this one is if the traffic commissioner knows brilliant there's nothing being hidden there's nothing being concealed there's no kind of coming back on it and yes the traffic commissioner might ask questions if something's happened like a health and safety conviction and you're telling the traffic commissioner about it of course they're well within their right to ask questions is it something that might affect them and the roadworthiness of vehicles is it was it due to a vehicle was it was it due to the maintenance was it you know those questions that are just normal but if if the regulator knows about it then they can't come at you for saying that you didn't tell them. Now, we've been at hearings in this past year where companies have not um, told the regulator about things that have happened, and it's a whole range of different things, to be honest. And I don't think there's one answer. Um, Well, we found there isn't one answer on on what you should tell and what you shouldn't tell and, and, you know, how far you go with what what you'd let the regulator know but it's just taking that kind of commercial approach on things if something's affected your business you need to tell the regulator if it's affected you in such a way that you've received a conviction from it then yes again you're likely going to need to tell the regulator and that's something we can provide advice on, and we do provide advice on a lot and it's something you need to just consider um, don't make a sort of rash decision and, and just type out an email and click send and hope for the best it's something that you can approach in kind of a letter and in correspondence and in a way that you know makes you as an operator look like you really have thought about this rather than just taking a really quick approach 
Yeah, that make, that makes total sense. To be fair, and I suppose these things don't get found proactively, so to speak. But I imagine it's something that is then used at a, a public inquiry, where <laughs> it's then open forum. Um, that all of a sudden the 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 carpet gets pulled up, and there's maybe some skeletons <laughs> that have been uh, swept underneath the carpet, or the the door opens to the wardrobe, and all of a sudden everything comes Falls clattering out. out. Yeah, exactly. Is that yeah. is that the situation? I mean, I mean, what I'd say to that is, it's not easy. It's not easy, Pete. The, the legislation is nowhere near as clear as it could be. There are certainly certain convictions that will always need to be notified, and they're in the legislation, and there's very clear guidance around that. And then there's um, other other areas uh, which are notifiable um, by virtue of the fact that um, they, they fall within the category of certain transport offences and the like. But then if you're a standard licence holder listening to this podcast um, just take a minute to look sometime at your operator's license and the standard conditions that are on it and you'll find one of the conditions is that you um, un- you've, you've a condition is to notify the traffic commissioner of any ma- event that could affect your good repute mm-hmm. and then if you go to statutory uh, the statutory documents and say well I wonder what what is an event that could affect my good repute it's far from clear because it's in the eye of the beholder whether or not something could affect your good repute and so a lot of what we do is advising around that because um, taken to extreme you're not going to be notifying the commissioner of every time one of your drivers goes one minute over a 45 uh, you know four and a half hours um, you're, you're, they'd be absolutely inundated and that would be and, and if you've got robust systems and procedures in place to monitor and deal with that then um, I don't think anyone would suggest an absolute zero tolerance approach. But then, of course, it becomes a sliding scale with other issues. And I and I think what Sarah, the point Sarah is making is is absolutely right that um, it's about that level of trust and transparency with the regulator. And mm-hmm. and um, it's one of the more common areas we advise on. So if there's if you're in doubt about something. Um, if it's a non-conviction, if it's just an incident that's happened internally, maybe it hasn't come to the radar of the police or DVSA or anything, but it's something that you're you're concerned about. Do we need to report this because of this incident involving this driver? Then uh, it's certainly one to get some some proper advice on. Mm, Fantastic. Definitely. Fantastic, thank you. Um, and the, the so that that's that's the first key learning, and then the second one was around whistleblowing. Um, are you able to elaborate a bit more on that, please, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this was this was something that we. It might just be anecdotal. I don't know, but we seem to have seen a lot of it this year. We've seen a lot of situations where, um, where, where operators that we've worked with, but it's in some cases local councils, but um, also private operators, have been in a position where somebody within the organisation has uh, reported their employer to the traffic commissioner directly. Um, for whatever it might be, for example, it could be uh, an allegation that the um, that the operator is not uh, running safe systems or not having safe procedures in place around uh, something or other. And, and sometimes it's possible for the operator to have a good idea as to who, what you know, what this relates to. But other times it really isn't, mm. um, and you can end up with a situation where the traffic commissioner will will write to an operator saying, "We've been made aware of information, who, and we're not going to disclose where it comes from." Um, it might even be anonymous, but we've been made inf- aware of information about X, Y, and Z, um, and we're going to send. We want DVSA to come in and do investigation, and we want you to explain what's what's happened about it. And uh, it can be quite it can be quite alarming when that happens because 
you're you're on the back foot you've got to be very very careful around employment law and whistleblowing and what you know take advice around that because it's a very sensitive area and lots of protections around that but equally um, you need to have enough information to know how to respond and what you don't want to happen is um, and at DBSA to come, come in and, and, and review and say actually we're satisfied that the, the allegation was completely unfounded but whilst we've been here we've noticed five other things that are causing us concern and so we're going to be uh, escalating uh, proceedings against you on that basis. Again something that we've seen happen um, so it's it's uh, I, th I think the message I would have is tread very very carefully if something like that happens to you um, it is remarkably easy to put in an anonymous complaint sometimes a competitor might even put in an anonymous complaint mm. against you a DVSA even have a website where they, they do. In invite uh, <laughs> people to put in um, uh, you know any concerns uh, and we've seen that happen. Uh, so just, just I suppose, be aware and be um, uh, and, and take it seriously when it happens because it can be a very high-risk area. Yeah, and it's the whole picture there as well, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, you might never find out what that whistleblowing complaint was. You may just know the the area that it's in. So it's it's just making sure that you take a holistic approach to it and ensure that you're checking everything to make sure you're happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose uh, all the more reason for making sure you've got the robust systems in exactly. place proactively to yeah. enable that um, those in glass houses can't throw stones, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, very good, very good. Thank you very much. Um, and then and then the third area was around the own account operators um, and, uh, and, and and restricted licenses. There's maybe some, some uh, sort of evolution things to think about, evolutionary things to think about that uh, yeah I, I again this is one that we seem to have been helping a lot of operators with recently the the age-old assumption was that if the stuff in the back of your wagon belongs to you then you can have a restricted license nice and simple unfortunately if you actually look at the legislation if you look at the guidance and if you look at the way that the traffic commissioners are, and the courts are interpreting that these days is that it's not quite as simple as that uh, if, for example, you are a waste operator um, or, 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 um, and, and all you're doing is your entire business model is collecting waste from customer A, transferring that waste to um, recycling facility B, and you're just the, the haulier in between, then even if you have uh, arrangements or contractual arrangements or otherwise whereby that waste is your in, it belongs to you for that journey, actually what you're doing there is clearly higher or reward you're being paid to move the waste you're not being paid to process it is the, the transfer is the movement of the waste isn't part of a wider business um, you you are effectively a haulier and therefore it's higher and reward and therefore the commissioners are likely to consider that to be something that requires a standard license um, and then you could find yourself in a position of operating without the appropriate license and and there's a loads of variations around that not just for the waste sector; it can be for any sector where you've, where your, um, uh, where your business model involves moving your own goods. But once it starts to be the case that actually that's really the the whole of it, and it's not just ancillary to another part of your business, it, it is effectively what you're doing as your business. Your starts to look a lot like you're being a haulier. Then that's the time to start questioning that asking those questions getting some advice on it 
uh, because we have been seeing traffic commissioners taking action against operators for exactly that sort of thing. And the commissioners, understandably, generally prefer standard licences because they have, need to have a nominated transport manager. You need to have higher levels of financial standing. There are greater securities around that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, one of the things, one of the challenges I see with, with clients that we work with is that it's the age-old thing around um, uh, an operator gets pulled over and the DVSA have a look and they wonder why the operator is working on a logbook or they wonder why the operator is on a restricted licence and not a national licence. And, and the most common argument that I come across is not one that's based on the legislation, it's one that's based on but that's what everyone in the industry does. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you come across that? <laughs> have, you, have you come across <laughs> that? Have we come across <laughs> it? <laughs> but this is unfair because the rest of the industry do that, and it's a competitive yeah. disadvantage. Yeah. Um, and I think I think uh, I think raising awareness of this stuff is really important because actually, we often take the industry standard practice as golden, don't we? And don't challenge it, but actually. The, uh, the regulator would expect the operator to be really comfortable and, and I, th I imagine being sat in a PI if your argument is is that that's what Bob does down the road oh, and he wow. does the same work as I do uh, I don't think the response is going to be particularly favourable Yeah, right. uh, but, but we all have a natural sense of fairness and so I yeah. have a lot of sympathy for for an operator who's looking down the road and seeing somebody else do it, you know, cut, maybe doing something differently and and thinking, well, wh why does he get to do it, and why why don't I? And so I, you know, have a lot of sympathy for that. But that's when it's those. Um, those I mean, may, may, maybe that's what's fueling a lot of these anonymous complaints to DBSA, <laughs> perhaps. Well, well, quite quite potentially. I think I think that is a that is a challenge because we all want fair. You know, the, well, the the underpinning the underpinning purpose of operator licenses is around is around safety, but it is also around a fair fair operating. Yeah, cards, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I, I suppose if one operator, I suppose if an industry has been operating a certain way, or the perceived industry operating procedure is a certain way, and uh, it's slowly being found to be non-compliant, mm. um, then then it. Additionally, people are going to be getting their noses put out of joint and want to level the playing field. So yeah. it's a it's a challenge, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, th what fantastic learnings for the listeners on uh, on on those key areas around transport manager and operator licensing and doing your due diligence and making sure that you're notifying convictions, making sure you've got an eye out for whistleblowing, as well as making sure you've got the right type of license as well. So uh, thank you both, uh, Chris and Sarah, for joining me on today's episode, and uh, I look forward to you joining me on the next one where we look at the things that might be coming in the future and coming coming in 2024 and things to keep an eye out for uh, listeners thanks for joining us and hopefully you'll subscribe and please do share any feedback in the comments take care now see you soon i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did please share with your friends and colleagues too join us for free on facebook with the fleet geeks community for transport and fleet managers fleet geeks offers ongoing professional development networking and mentoring too so get in touch with me pete rushmer on any social media platform to find out more.